understanding, seeing your child. When I say see your child, I mean really seeing their behavior as communication and understanding what they're communicating and being able to communicate back. This is the Curious Neuron Podcast, where we take a compassionate approach to science-based parenting. Join us as we break down the science of child development and parenting into digestible and applicable advice. Welcome. Hello, friend. Welcome back to another episode of the Curious Neuron Podcast. My name is Cindy Huffington, and I am your host. I am the founder of Curious Neuron. I have a doctorate degree in neuroscience, and I'm a mom of three. And my goal with everything um, that is Curious Neuron, whether it's the website, Instagram account, our monthly free family meetings, this podcast, our programs, everything is to bring you the science, make it accessible to you and digestible so that you know how to apply it within your home. I want you to be confident that you are doing the right thing with your child, knowing that it is backed by science. Before we get into the interview, I am so excited that today's episode of the Curious Neuron podcast is sponsored by Puck Puck, an award-winning digital toy studio dedicated to helping raise the next generation of creative thinkers. Their award-winning app, Pock Pock Playroom is a digital playroom filled with open-ended toys, each designed to spark imagination, creativity, and learning while leaving kids feeling calm. <laughs> there are no rules, ads, or menus. It's a completely safe, self-guided experience that kids aged 2 to 6 and beyond can play with entirely on their own. It's completely different than other kids' apps out there. I know because PocPoc is the first app that I've ever felt comfortable letting my own kids play with. They love playing with a house toy the most. All three of them will play together, adding items into the fridge, washing the laundry and baking pies and so much more. My personal favorite part about Pock Pock is that after my kids step away from it, they continue playing house in real life. How great is that? It's really clear that it's carefully designed not to overstimulate kids or be addictive. You can tell from the minimalist artwork, the slow-paced animations, and the hand-recorded sound effects that everything was designed mindfully by fellow parents. The playroom is also regularly updated with new toys all the time to keep kids curious and exploring. Right now, you can get 50% off an entire year subscription at playpockpock.com redeem with the code CuriousNeuron. Right now, you can get 50% off an entire year subscription at playpockpock.com redeem with code CuriousNeuron. The website again is playpockpock.com dot com slash redeem and you can use the code curious neuron i'll leave all this information in the show notes on my website under episode 36 as well as in the notes for this episode enjoy playing puck puck if you are enjoying listening to the curious neuron podcast please take a moment to rate it and leave a review on itunes it means so much to us because you know it just helps us uh stay motivated <laughs> If you'd like to learn more about the research behind child development and parenting, you can visit our website at CuriousNeuron.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at Curious underscore Neuron. Send me DM there. Come say hello. Let me know that you listen to the podcast. I love um, hearing, you know, about who's listening and connecting with you as well um, because I'm just talking to myself in my basement. So <laughs> just let me know you're listening. <laughs> All right, before we get into today's uh, episode, I just wanted to take a moment to discuss the topic of this episode because 
it's, I think, a really important one for all of us parents. Um, we talk about generational cycles, so things that perhaps happened within our home, including spanking um, or certain ways of disciplining, I guess. And my discussion with Mr. Chaz um, is really just you need you need a notebook <laughs> you need a notebook for this episode you definitely do um there are a lot of takeaways and a lot of information to the point that when i was listening i was literally taking down notes um when i was editing the podcast episode it's so good and if you're not following mr chaz yet on all of the platforms um all the links are on the show notes and in the, the description for this podcast episode um he is just filled with information and so insightful and so knowledgeable and you know at the core of everything that he does he really teaches us how to listen to our children how to um he describes it really well to see them and to trust them and to um help guide them that's what we need to do with our kids and i think that sometimes we get caught up in parenting and and trying to discipline a child and we forget that we have to sort of listen to them. I think back to my own childhood and I had some more difficult times as a teenager and you know it, it's only normal. My mom was a single mom and she did the best that she could and I think she was stuck in the whole disciplining phase and, you know, showing me, you know, or helping me understand who the parent was. She wasn't a friend. She was a parent, you know, as most people in my generation, I think, experienced. Um, but there were times looking back now that I didn't need to be disciplined. I needed someone to listen to me. And, you know, as a mom now, I've applied that since my kids were very small, starting with tantrums. I know that it could be really hard in these moments and it could look like they're trying to get to us or trying to get our attention for something. And it might be in some cases, um, but that's why it's so important to listen to their behavior. <laughs> um, and that takes skills. Um, so it takes time too and it takes skills, but it's needed and this episode is all about that so it's a good one um it's a long one but i didn't want to edit anything out because everything that mr chaz said was just that important for you and for everybody listening if you head on to my website at curiousnorm.com slash podcast and click on this episode, which is episode 36, I've um, given you a few resources, um, a few research articles around spanking and physical punishment and discipline so that you can read the research behind it. Something um, that I've learned when I've covered this kind of topic in the past is that I'll get a lot of emails from couples or sorry, I'll get emails from the mom um, saying that this is a big issue within the couple. Um, perhaps the father is more strict or perhaps he's more physical when it comes to his punishment. And sometimes it's both parents, um, especially when it comes to different cultures. We were raised a certain way and sometimes we bring that into how we were parented. Sorry, sometimes we bring that into how we're parenting. And I think it's important that we really step back to think of the possible impact on our child. And um, that's why, you know, without giving too much of my opinion, I just want to share the research with you. So the articles are there. If this is something that you want to look over with your spouse, um, remember, you know, Mr. Chaz talks about um, not judging and, and really having an open heart to this type of conversation um, because it might be coming from somewhere or some even past experiences or pain from something. 
Although this conversation does begin around spanking or, you know, we, we talk about it a little bit, um, it does continue off into um, disciplining and what that means and how to understand our child's behavior. And I'm really happy that it went into that direction because that's, in essence, what we need to understand. Um, but I just wanted to share this article that's on my website. Um, it's from the Journal of Child Abuse and Neglect in 2017. Uh, by Macmillan and Milkton. And they mentioned that, you know, very few topics in child development give rise to such a polarized view as the use of spanking as a form of discipline. And there was a 2010 article that looked at the different rates of spanking. Spanking is defined in the scientific literature as hitting with open hands on the buttocks. Um, and it ranges anywhere from... 15% in an educated community in India to 76% in a Philippine community, for example. And in the US, in 2010, in this specific study, the rates of spanking were 44%. The research is clear that um, when a child is exposed to spanking, it does more harm than good and increases the risk of emotional, behavioral, and cognitive problems. This is, is clear to me in the research. Um, and this particular article um, finishes by saying that physical punishment needs to be recognized as an important public health problem. Now, I'm not going to get into more of the details. Like I said, you can head on to the website to read the articles and and, and come up with your conclusion. And um, I hope that you do take the time to visit my website and read these articles. But more importantly, let's get into this discussion with Mr. Chaz. I hope you enjoy this episode and I'll see you on the other side. Welcome back to the Curious Drawn Podcast. My name is Cindy Huffington and I'm here today with Mr. Chaz. I'm so excited to speak to him because I'm sure you follow him on Instagram or on TikTok. Um, you have his pot, you listen to his podcast and you know all about him. But if you don't, <laughs> he talks about um, so much. Everything, in my opinion, that has to do with treating children with respect and learning about ourselves and, you know, I think I had seen a post once where somebody said they were applying what you tell them with the relationship. <laughs> and you know what? It, and it makes total sense. So we're going to get into all of that. But before we do, um, I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about, you know, what your goals are and, and, and what your background is. How did you get into um, um, this sort of thing that we see now through your podcast and social media? Yeah. And, and I know your background is in education, so I'd love to hear more about that. Yes. Um, so I started off as a Montessori teacher um, in a classroom of about 30 children. Um, and that was a, a great starting experience. Um, and over time, I, I, I was able to get a lot of training. I was able to find a lot of mentors and um, eventually found myself really becoming one of the mentors in a you know school. Not that it was something that I was looking for, but I was just kind of teaching my class, loving, feeling super fulfilled by the impact that I was making on my children, my uh, you know little community of little humans. And people started to ask me questions like, you know, like I see that you have like that you are able to handle these things. You have these kids because they would put like the quote unquote, like 
challenging children in my classroom <laughs> and they would, you know, thrive and be successful. And so people started to just kind of ask me questions. And I remember just casually in the break room, just answering. Um, and it was like, yeah, you know what I would do, I would do X, Y, and Z. It sounds like blase, blase. I don't remember exactly what I said. It's something to do with sensory, but uh, the teacher came back the next day and was like, oh my goodness, you, like that literally changed my entire day, changed the child's entire day. Like I need more. And that's when one of uh, my light bulbs went off. It was just like, wow, like I love the impact that I'm able to make in this, you know, community of humans. But if I can make an impact on teachers, then my impact can be exponential. Um, and so I became an educational specialist and pretty much what I was doing is I was teaching teachers to teach. Um, and I was doing 101 million other things, but that's pretty much the, the simplest, the easiest way to explain what I was doing. I was going inside and outside the classroom, supporting teachers, helping children, teachers, directors be successful, often being a teacher, director, you know, myself doing observations, all that kind of stuff. Um, and training. Um, so I've been doing that for a while. And then the pandemic happened. And hmm. all the kids went home, all of the uh, teachers went home, or at least most of them, our schools didn't close, but 99% of yeah. <laughs> the, the people had left the schools and hmm. the parents became the everything 24 hmm. seven um, for children and for their children. And I saw how they were struggling through conversations I was having with people through social media. And, and I wanted to find a way to contribute, to help and to share some of the insights and some of the things that I learned um, over the years, you know, sometimes through training, sometimes through books, sometimes through the hard way and doing the wrong thing. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to be able to give back. Um, and so I started to create these videos that were short. And my, and my thought process was, I wanna create videos that are, they're, they're short, they are enjoyable to consume, but also by the end of the video, you feel like you've learned something, you feel like your perspective has grown a little bit. And so I started to put, create those videos on TikTok that started to grow and blow up. I was doing Q and A's like all hours of the day. Um, <laughs> Um, so I very much love this Q&A format. So uh, like, I love these kind of podcast things. Um, mm -hmm. And I was started to post on Instagram and Facebook and kind of just started to grow from there and then did the podcast so that I could have these longer form conversations mm -hmm. that aren't just the bite size things, the yeah. people who are looking for more. Um, and so that's really the short <laughs> that's the short version um of kind of how i kind of got to where i'm at and why i'm kind of creating this this content about parenting about teaching and my goal really my vision is to well my mission rather is to help adults truly see guide and trust children um and i you know how beautiful would it be if, you know, one day we lived in a world where adults really did understand children and understood their behavior and, you know, they were able to guide them um, in, in a way that is 
building healthy habits as opposed to what a lot traditionally a lot of what we have grown up with um what we've learned uh, have been not always the healthiest habits um and we have a hard time really understanding children trusting children um so that's kind of how I got here. And that's what I'm uh, hoping to do. Already that, in, <laughs> just that in itself, I already have so many questions. You know, the first of all, with your videos, I think you've nailed it. I love also the like point of view from the child's point of view videos, because you could see like you're taller, you're the adult and feeling, I get that feeling that I am the child and then you feel bad, you know, you feel bad if you're saying certain things to show other people that we shouldn't be speaking to kids that way. But when you speak, in a, in a different way, even though there was one about throwing garbage, you know, uh, paper and just that one, you know, of the different way of speaking to a child. And I always tell parents that we should be speaking to our children the way that we would speak to a friend or, you know, uh, an, an adult in the sense that they're not less than <laughs> they're not they're not out there to get us. <laughs> they're not out there to make us mad. And I think you have a post about that, about make you make me mad kind of language. And today, there's just so much that I want to talk to you about. You know, you you talk about this whole, you said to see, guide, and trust. And I'm just putting myself in the shoes of a parent who's listening right now. And I'm sure because just with myself, I wish that would have been the case when I was young. Um, you know, that parents would have trusted us or trusted me or seen me, you know. And it's such a blessing to hear what you're saying and say, now's the right time. It's okay. Whatever you've done up to now, we're not saying that everything is wrong, but just those three words that you said, there's so much love and, and respect within seeing, trusting and, and letting our kids guide us. Um, so we're going to be talking about that today. And we're going to be talking about how the past can impact how we parent. And we'll talk about how we parent right now uh, with our kids. And um, I'll bring up a few questions that we had from some parents as well. So, I don't even know where to begin with all this because there is a lot to talk about. Yeah. How about how about we do look into the past a little bit together and and what are some of the stories or you know parents that you've worked with or you know some conversations that you've had um that that talk about their past and how it impacts how they're currently parenting. Just from my end, I know that parents will say, you know, if their parents were strict, you they can go either way in terms of yeah. Um, overcompensating and and not having any boundaries within their home yeah. or following what their parents did and saying this is the right way I turned out okay I'm going to be strict I'm going to spank I'm going to do it the way that I was raised so have you encountered the same um, thing within your community yes a hundred percent constantly all the time <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> and you know a big one that I've kind of been talking about then I think everyone, everyone's kind of aware. We're not gonna say that everyone's kind of aware, but spanking and like hitting children has become something that is has it's not as popular as it once was um, when I was growing up, um, and in definitely in different like cultures and communities, it's still something that's very popular, something that is expected. Um, but I think we're kind of getting to a point where more and more people are understanding that at the very least, they may not know how, what to do differently, but like, I don't want to do that. I don't yeah. want to hit my children. Right. And then, you know, that's the first step. And then the next step, which takes a lot of work is like, okay, what do I do instead? 
How do mm-hmm. I, you know, correct behavior, help my child through these challenges? How do, you know, what do I do instead? Um, and there's a lot of, there's, we can dive deep into that, but the, but something that's not as, um, that I think in the upcoming years and the next kind of decade and maybe Gen Z, when they become parents, it'll be like the new spanking where people will wear a majority of people or a, at least 50% of people will kind of actively try not to do this. And it's shaming, right? Yeah. Shame is something that we have really all kind of grown up with and just is kind of a way and even people who are against spanking i will see them like comment on videos and say like you don't need to spank your child you just psychologically manipulate them and make you know and yeah that's not healthy either right and you know calling your child or like treating them and calling them like bad and and the judgment and the shame is something that we a lot of us have internalized and so we either consciously or unconsciously pass it on and so when a child maybe we were we grew up being told that we were bad and or even you know so we'll get into like you know quote-unquote positive labels maybe we can get in that a little bit later, but first let's just start with, you know, calling children like, you know, bad, you know, you're, yeah. that's rat or pest. Right. Right. And we grow up and a lot of times we internalize it and we believe it and we have this story that we are still telling ourselves as an adult that I was a bad child. I need it to be put in line. I needed to be hit. I need it to be shamed and felt bad as opposed to helped understand what was going on with me and helping me work through that. And so that happened to us. And kind of like you said, it was like, oh, like that's how I, that's why I stopped being a jerk to so-and-so. That's why I stopped hitting so-and-so. That's how I started to do my homework or whatever it was that your parents were trying to get you to do. Um, and then it's like, okay, so it worked for me. Now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to use these same kind of judgments and, and, and shame towards children. But then what happened is what happens a lot of times is that one children internalize and believe the label and believe that they are bad. and, And that can have varying effects. One of them can be, you know, me being an example of kind of leaning into it. Like I was the defiant child and that's kind of how I was labeled and mm-hmm. you know after a while when you're labeled and you're shamed you one you kind of it disconnects you from the person who is shaming you it, it harms that relationship you feel misunderstood and you also sometimes lean into it more like, well, since I'm already like, since I'm defined, I don't listen, then I'm just, I'm going to show them how I don't listen. Like I can't listen. Right. Like we believe that story and we, a lot of times we'll embody it and become lean more into it. Um, as opposed to saying, you know, you are, you're having a hard time, you know, you are a, 
you're, you're doing the best you can with the skills you have and you're having a hard time in this situation. Let me help you through that. Let me help you understand your emotions. Let me help you understand how to work through those emotions. Let me help you understand how to solve that problem um, mm-hmm. that you're having, whatever that problem is. Um, and a lot of times- when we're Can like, a parent, oh, sorry. <laughs> Can a parent say what you just said and go through that if they don't know how to do it for themselves, right? So if they weren't raised that way, how can a parent, what, or what can a parent do right now? So I'm, I'm just thinking of somebody who's listening yeah. saying, I'd love to say what you just said, yeah. but I get to the point where my child hits their sibling and I'll yell, I'll scream, I'll, I'll say names and, you know, punish them. So how do we get to the point of saying what you just said? You have to do the work. You have to do the self-work to learn and grow and develop yourself mm-hmm. so that you are more you do have more of a capacity to practice these skills to model these skills to you know to guide them in these skills because you're 100% right like that emotion so likely what happens a lot of times is a child has something happens something is something triggers the child they have this big emotion as a reaction towards whatever that trigger is, whether it be stopping screen time, whether it be, um, you know, not having this, you know, snack or sharing or getting the toy or whatever it is, right? There's this trigger. And then the child has this big emotion. The child doesn't know how to navigate that emotion. Emotions are new to them. and, And also they can't, label their emotion it's just this thing that's inside of them that is so powerful that feels overpowering and they and they will react Mm -hmm. in their emotion and so that that reaction might be you know someone might call it a temper tantrum but it might be throwing themselves on the floor or saying no or i don't want to whatever it is that is their reaction that is the those are the skills that they have to handle that situation exactly. right yeah. and so then by that temper tantrum the throwing on the floor the no whatever that then triggers us and triggers mm-hmm. our emotions and then we have a tendency to react to and use whatever skills we have. And our skills might be hitting, they might be yelling, they might be, you know, shaming, like those are the skills that we have in our toolbox. And so that's what we're going to use. Mm -hmm. And, but what it takes, if we want to teach our child to to respond and to react differently in these situations, we have to learn to react differently and respond differently to them, right? And when we have that reaction, you're gonna have that initial reaction in your body. You're gonna feel something, you're gonna be triggered. You know, it's gonna happen. You, you know, the goal isn't to not ever feel a trigger, to not ever feel the emotion. Like the emotion's going to happen. It's healthy, it's a signal from your body. Like it's not a reason to run away from the emotion. You're gonna feel triggered. But the goal is to acknowledge it and to be aware of what you're feeling and mm-hmm. to maybe, you know, if you're feeling frustrated to take notes, I'm feeling, I'm experiencing frustration right now. I'm feeling frustrated. So this is things, this isn't going the way I expected, or this isn't going my way. And so I'm feeling frustration. I'm experiencing frustration. 
acknowledging that with experiencing a frustration or anger or sadness that it's going to, we're going to want to have a reaction. Maybe it's to hit or to shame or to whatever. But now that we've acknowledged that we're aware of our emotions, aware of how we're feeling and we've, ex- and we've expressed it, even if we're not saying out loud or just even expressing it to ourselves, even just that, that first action releases some of our kind of like the stress in our body exactly. and that big emotion to kind of help us regulate a little bit. And then we can take it a step further and we can breathe, right? And breathing is such a skill. Like it's not like for some people like out there who probably hear is like, ah, breathing, like breathing is a skill, <laughs> right? And so like, just to say like, oh, like I pra- like I, I tried breathing and it didn't work for me. Like it's a skill. Like it's not something that you just try one time and see if it works. It's something that exactly. you work on, right? Mm-hmm. And so you breathe, you regulate yourself, you regulate your body, and then you and you tell yourself like i can i have a choice here and how i respond right mm-hmm. and hopefully at this point you're a little bit more regulated you you're aware that you're triggered your emotion you've regulated your how you're feeling so you're not reacting or just yelling you now you're able to access a little bit more logic and reasoning and you're more able to think through what is actually going on and to use more of the strategies and tools that you've learned on this podcast or on from social media or from books. And now you're actually more able to use those tools because you're more regulated and you're not just reacting with emotion, which is the same thing that we are wanting the child in this in this moment, this when they're triggered by, you know, ending a screen time, not having snack, the toy getting taken, being whatever it is, that's the same thing that we want them to do, right? And so it's not easy, you know, and so it's not an easy thing to an easy thing to do. And if we're struggling with it as an adult, it it that's an opportunity for us to be empathetic toward a child who is just learning this, right? A child with not a fully formed brain yet, right? And us with our fully formed brains still struggle with this. Exactly, right? yeah. And I'm, I'm gonna kind of wrap it up here because I know I've been talking for a while, but no, no. <laughs> you know, I can choose how I respond in this moment, pull together your tools and your strategies and then you and, and you see the behavior as communication. You see it as an underlying need that they're expressing. You see it as a missing skill that they have to be worked on. And you approach it from there. Mm. And from that place, you can say, you're having a hard time mm. trying to solve this problem whatever it is you're having a hard time waiting Uh, i know that's that's really tough and you want it right now and i said no and that's really frustrating i know i'm here for you i've got your back right and just and maybe maybe you're not saying those exact words but like that's the message right i'm here for you i know this is hard i'm here for you and yeah maybe you do add in some like tools and you talk about when the next like you, yes, you can have a popsicle after dinner. Like, you know, maybe you do use those things, but yeah, 
you know, but what's most important is that we're that we're able to regulate ourselves, that we're able to acknowledge that that we know what we're experiencing, that we're not just reacting subconsciously, so that we can deal with that emotion, we can work through the emotion, mm-hmm. and we can help the child solve the problem, and we can practice skills with them. A parent asked me if they should start working on the tools, like what you just said, right? The breathing, the causing, uh, creating that pause in between the child's action and your reaction can you start working on that immediately without having or without starting the work on your past or should they start working on their past first because maybe you need to work on that first to be able to get the tools um so they didn't know where to start (laughs) so the answer is everything (laughs) work on it together that you're not you're not going to like just the skills that you're learning, like this is a, this is a lifelong thing. This isn't mm-hmm. just a, oh, I've got the skills. Now I can teach them or now like I'm done with the work. Like it is an ongoing <laughs> thing. It is a lifelong journey. And so you want to be in and you want to be learning the skills and teaching the skills at the same time. And when you mess up and you, you know, you make a mistake or they make a mistake, you give yourself grace, you give them grace. Mm-hmm. You said like, it's okay. Like that's part of the learning process. The mistakes, the mess ups, the oops is a part of the learning process, right? It would be like expecting, you know, your infant to learn how to walk without ever falling (laughs) down. It'd be like expecting your child to, you know, be potty trained without ever having an accident. Mm. Having that unrealistic expectation that you're, that you're, you know, not going to make the mistake that perfection is the goal is going to be, it's going to hold you back from actually learning and growing and improving. Um, Mm -hmm. So you, you, so the answer is both. Um, You learn and you go on the journey together. I love that. You know, I think there's this sort of misconception when it comes to discipline where discipline is, um, I don't know how I would word it, how people think, but it's teaching. Discipline is not about, you know, um, yes, we're teaching them right and wrong, but we're doing it through teaching. It, it, that's the whole point of discipline. Whereas when I think back to our generation and, and my, my surrounding and the way I was raised, it's what I say goes, you know, this is, there's no discussion. And now with this whole, you know, what we hear about positive parenting or, you know, responsive parenting, all those terms, for me, what I see is in the literature and in science and what we see is a type of parenting that, balances boundaries and empathy or connection with your child that is clear within all the studies like it's not about there's this misunderstanding also so with the discipline but also this positive parenting that it means we just let everything go and that we're their best friend and that we don't have boundaries and i wish that parents would know that both the discipline part where you have to teach them something yes if your child is hitting their sibling that is wrong we want to teach them that but by putting them in a timeout and it's not that a timeout is wrong right now we're not that's not the point of discussion but let's just say you put them in a timeout and what did you teach them are you taking the time to sit with them are you just yelling at them are you whatever it is but then in addition if you're saying that you're following positive parenting um it's not about letting it go and saying nothing about it right so there's there has to be this sort of balance and everything comes back to that connection or empathy and the boundaries we have to 
balance both of those yeah. and that's something you talk about as well right yeah um so how I, again and it, it always falls into attachment so if a child let's say our generation and we have kids and we didn't create a strong attachment with our parents because of the way that they were parenting and now we're being told you know parent this way in a positive way in a way where you're connecting with your child discipline in a way where you're connecting and you're teaching and whatever it is but we don't have this we don't have the skills we don't and our past plays into this yeah so like i maybe it goes back to what you were saying where we have to do the work and you know we have to 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 do that kind of work to start off with and get the tools and the skills but i guess my whole question with this whole point is what can we be doing right now as parents in addition to what you're saying where do i guess i i know that you said start off with balancing everything but i'm i'm assuming from what parents were telling me that they really have no clue where to start and they're overwhelmed and they're yelling a lot more than they wanted to in the past year and sure they're listening to all of our podcasts and all our social media but now what what do they do with this (laughs) all this abundance of information right like what did what do we where do we start when it comes to this parenting thing <laughs> and, and and discipline yeah um so it's it starts with it's always going to start with um relationship with with with, with relationship and i as i kind of said earlier i break it down to kind of like three main components right seeing guiding and trusting Mm -hmm. and let me talk about that for a minute because i think it will kind of answer the question because it's not necessarily i think you know if you're talking about what specific like what strategy what tool like where should i start with my learning how to discipline i think that would be different and would be determined on what your need is and your family Mm -hmm a child and so i think that that is kind of a case-by-case basis on what exact strategy or tool to start with um but starting with understanding seeing your child when i say see your child i mean really seeing their behavior as communication and understanding what they're communicating and being able to communicate back I would start there and um, both of those parts can be hard because it's, we've been conditioned to see anytime a child has an emotion, like they are an inconvenient brat or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so it can be, it's a little bit of rewiring our own brain to see it differently, to see behaviors, communication. And so what I would say, if I were to dig deeper, so like, okay, like what do, can I look up or what can I Google search? Um, if you're, if there's a behavior that you're seeing that you're, that's concerning you, you don't understand, you know, you can start with the simple, I don't know if I would necessarily trust everything that I see on Google, but maybe a good place to start of just like yeah. what could be the potential what could they potentially be communicating with this behavior and not every behavior is going to be the same thing like hitting is a behavior but it could be they could be hitting for a variety of reasons right are they hitting because they don't know how to get their toy back are they hitting because they're trying to meet their need for connection and they know if they hit that an adult or the caregiver is going to come over to them are they hitting because 
you know, someone is in their space and they don't know how to like, hey, I'm overwhelmed or is, is you know, is it a sensory thing? Like I'm trying to really observing and, and, and to, to better understand your child. Um, and sometimes there are some things like I just mentioned that mentioned like the sensory challenges can help kind of make a lot of things make sense. Like, oh, like that's why like the, that's why like the tag on the shirt was such a big deal. Like I thought it was just, I thought they were just bringing, you know, like a whiny little brat, but yeah. really it was like a, it was a legitimate, a very, very legit, like it's coming from a, from them having a hard time and anytime they have like they're having a big emotion like it's all they're all legitimate feelings right but it's very easy for us uh especially as adults to dismiss um their feelings if we feel like it's something that's irrational and if anyone i know no one's listening to this live but um i'm probably not going to highlight but i'm having a conversation right now talking to parents and, and have long adults to share all the things that we as adults you know get upset about or like have big emotions about that aren't necessarily rational um, yeah I, I was gonna say we have the same responses to weird things sometimes you know like it's it's happened where you're at work and a colleague just like gets upset over nothing or something triggers us just like with kids which is why we have to approach them the same way with that kind of empathy yeah and like yeah just off the top of my head some of the ones that i and maybe people can relate because you're like well i don't really whenever i'm mad it's always rational but but <laughs> you know like some people some things that people really connected with um are like when you can't find you know when you can't find your keys or you're, you're you know you're leaving at the door and your shirt gets snagged on the door handle you know think about how you know i made a video kind of talking about how um we can respond to you know gamer rage and mm. you know it's someone's like well, their reaction's like too big like it's like it's too much but like think about how big of we react to like sporting events right and like is it really that serious it was like ah yeah oh no people are crying like you would think that someone took their firstborn baby <laughs> and but we have these kind of bigger reactions and yeah. big emotions as adults too um mm. And so, you know, just think about your kind of your, sometimes your own, some things that you've had and, and maybe thinking about things that have triggered you with the, your partner might help. Um, mm -hmm. But but children have these very real big feelings too and dismissing them, you know, a lot of times and, you know, talking in the conversation about generational cycles, a lot of times we will dismiss and tell them to dismiss their feelings. You're fine. Get over it. Yes. Not a big deal. Yeah. And, you know, I, it comes with, with all the best intentions, right? I don't think anyone has bad intentions when they're, when they're doing these things, they're trying to help their child be calmed down. But a lot of times we're, we're teaching them or we're conditioning them to ignore their feelings. Um, and again, like that's not a healthy habit. We want to be able to acknowledge, be very aware of what we're feeling so that we can, it isn't this subconscious thing that we're just reacting to or holding in and stuffing down until we blow up or maybe we don't blow up and it just stays in our body and it creates health problems. 
we want, you know, we 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 want to teach children to acknowledge, to express their feeling, to express their emotions, so that they can navigate their emotions in a healthy way. Um, and if us adults, if we were better at that, if we, if a lot of us, if we had, you know, parents who were really kind of in tune with that and were working hard, even if they weren't perfect, but it was a part, a part of the conversation, at least, we would be better at responding to our children when they're having big reactions right now as opposed to reacting, right? And, you know, like you said, the parents like, I'm just like, I'm yelling all the time. I don't know how to, it's, yeah. it's part of it might be because you're not as aware of your own emotions and how to navigate through them. Um, and so um, on one last bit on the discipline piece, hmm. it's not always when you say discipline is teaching. I think when I say, like when we say discipline is teaching, sometimes people think, okay, teaching means sit down and have and lecture them. Like, no, when you're modeling, oh, yeah. <laughs> when, when you're breathing, when you're, when you're triggered, and you're breathing and you're regulating yourself and then responding and you're validating their emotions and helping giving them language to how they how they're feeling like that's teaching right mm -hmm. it's not necessarily instruction but it's teaching um and so when you hear discipline is teaching and and you think about you know a disciple is a person who's the receiver of teachings you know, like never heard about disciples getting like hit. Like that's not the way that they're learning. Um, you know, it, part of that is modeling. You know, there's a, there's a lot of other things that can be in that bucket of discipline, but part of it is modeling. It's it's not always, and I would maybe even say uh, rarely, if ever, especially it's. I'm never really lecturing when um, it's a young child, especially. Um, and, you know, there is communication, there is talking involved in it, but it's not a sit down and look me in the eye and listen to me for an undisclosed period of time until I feel better about what happened. Uh, <laughs> let's remember their attention span yeah <laughs> is still short yeah or, or even sometimes yeah. it's like let me lecture you until i feel regulated or i feel like you suffered enough right oh. for the crime that you for the crime and so this is you doing the time um and we can get a whole into a whole thing about you know uh punishment and how mm -hmm. you know well they get punished in, in, in the real world they're going to get punished and go to jail and I mean, we can talk about how like bigger punishments don't actually stop people from committing more crimes. It doesn't actually reduce recidivism. The rate at which people reoffend, what actually reduces recidivism mm. is rehabilitation, which is focused on underlying needs and missing skills, teaching them to meet needs and teaching them skills. So that way, once they're in the situation again, whether it's their you know, neighborhood or trying to feed their family or whatever it is, or or in the situation in terms of the kid version of, you know, the child takes their toy, they now have the skills, they've worked, they've practiced the skills, and now they can use those skills to solve that problem. Got it. That 
can can we just touch a bit more about punishment and oh. that topic because yeah. it does come up often with parents as well on, on, on my side and where do you or what kind of discussions do you have with parents with regards to punishment because they might see that as a very important part of parenting where there has to be punishment so that the parent this is just from what parents tell yeah. me um the child has to know that i'm the parent right so they it, if i punish them they'll be afraid of me and then they'll follow me right they'll they'll listen to what i say this is the kind of you know language that i'll hear not from all parents but from some parents yeah. And sometimes it's hard to have those conversations because they were raised that way and they want to continue it that way. How do we break that kind of cycle and thought around punishment? Yeah, man, there's so much to say in response to that. Mm -hmm. um, one, I would ask and just reflect on, okay, you so if, as you're saying you grew up fearing, being fearful of your parents. And so that made you respect, like, were you, open and we were like super open and honest and did you feel like you could go to them when you made a mistake and like how safe did you feel when like you like messed up like you know like having those conversations is with curiosity on my part is where kind of where i would start and, and a lot of people in reflection is like well yeah i guess i didn't i guess i didn't feel safe to actually talk to my parents about a lot of stuff and you know, I, you know, ended up maybe going to peers for advice and for my, mm. to learn and to figure out what to do, because you knew if you told your parents, you'd get a, a whooping or you get this harsh <laughs> punishment or whatever it was. Um, and so that's the first thing I would say. Second is like, mm. the, on the comment of the child needs to know that I'm the parent and the only way for them to know that I'm the parent is by punishing them. And let's define punishment real quick because mm. a lot of people will say like, well, they need to know there's consequences to their actions. And I agree that consequences are important and talking about consequences are like, that's, that's, that's important. But consequences, you know, logical consequences, natural consequences and punishments are different things punishments are it's the focus is on i want you you did a thing that i didn't like or prefer broke a rule whatever and so i'm going to take something away or hit you or shame i'm going to make you feel bad so you yes. don't do the thing anymore right mm. i'm going to make you feel bad so you don't do the thing anymore mm. But there's a reason why they there's a reason why they did that thing, and so let's say this is the thing about hitting, right? You did you hit your friend or you hit your sibling or whatever, and so now I'm going to punish you in whatever form that takes, make you feel bad so you don't do it again. Now one punishment when we're we're like punishing people, punishing parents or whatever, it also affects us because our first response tends to be punish you. Punishment, you did something wrong, punishment. A lot of times we won't even dig, we won't even ask why, we won't even figure out what was happening to even trigger you for, for, for that to happen, for the hitting to take place. So you're punishing them and let's say you they hit because your sister or whoever took their toy away from them. You're playing with a toy, someone took the toy away from you. You didn't know how to get the toy back with the skills that you had available. 
except if I hit you, I know you're going to drop that toy exactly. pretty quickly. Um, and I'm going to be able to get that toy. That's the skill that I have. Punishment is punishing you is like, okay, don't use that skill. And maybe they, maybe they, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but they don't know how to solve that problem. Exactly. So they, someone takes their toy back. They still, they've still left that. It still left that, that whole interaction with you without knowing actually how to solve that problem. Yeah. Right. And trust me, they, if you've, they know 99% of the time, like they know that that's not an acceptable thing to do. They know that the heading wasn't like what you would prefer. So like, so it's redundant a lot of times when, if, if that is our goal, like they need to know that that's not acceptable. Well, they know it's not acceptable. They just don't know how else to solve the problem, mm -hmm. right? And we haven't given them the skills by punishing them. We haven't given them any tools. Right. And the other thing that, that punishment does is that it puts, it changes the focus, right? Mm -hmm. We want the child to see the consequences of their actions on the other person that they just hit. True. Right. Mm -hmm. We want that. But when we're constantly punishing and we come in here and if punishment's the thing, even before we say anything, the focus is on the punishment. And so the focus is only on the consequence, the consequences of their actions to themselves, not the other person. They're not even thinking about the other person. They're just trying to protect themselves from the punishment, right? And so you can't even, so it's harder, going to be harder to have a conversation about what happened, right? Because they're not going to feel safe because they're just like, well, how are you going to punish me? Like, whatever I say, like, you're just going to punish me or I'm not going to have whatever it is. And so, so it's going to be hard to even have the productive conversation, even understand if you weren't there to understand what happened, they're going to be more likely to lie about what happened. I don't know why she's crying on the floor. I was just standing over here. I don't know. Like, I'm just been playing with this toy the whole time. Right. <laughs> As opposed to, you know, going in and seeing, and first, like if there's a child who's hurt, got hurt, you go to the child who was hurt first and check on, on them and make sure they're okay. And you can help them help process. If you don't know what happened, you can figure out what happened, help them process what happened, right? Even as you're, maybe you don't know, maybe even as you're figuring it out. A lot of times with young children, there's some clues in, in the scene, <laughs> at the scene of the crime, uh, where you, you can figure some things out and you can, if they feel, if, if you do have that feeling of safety with them, they're going to be more likely to tell you what happened and you can help them process like, ah, oh, you're playing with a toy and your sister took it away from you and you got frustrated and you really wanted your toy back. So you hit her to get the toy back. Yeah. She's always, and then they'll likely respond. Yeah. She's always taking my stuff. I said, no, you want yeah, no, 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 no. in whatever way they're saying. And that's what you want. You want them to be yeah. able to express how they're feeling. And so also it's, that's some data for you to understand from their point of view, to see them, mm. to see how they're seeing it. And by the way, maybe you're wrong and you, you think it's one thing and like, yeah, you really frustrated because you wanted the, you know, you wanted the, to get your toy back. Um, and like, no, you know, she, she scratched me first or I want it. 
I wanted, I just wanted to play with the toys or whatever. I just wanted to be by myself. Yeah. Right. It was, oh, so you, you just wanted to be by yourself. And so it wasn't about mm-hmm. the toy. It was about you wanting to be by yourself. Ah, okay. Now that I understand, now I can give you, now we can practice, we can talk about, I can give you tools. We can practice, we can role play. We can read books about it. We can see exactly. about what to yeah. do instead when you just want to be by yourself, what to mm-hmm. say to your sister or your friend or whatever. Right. And also what to do if that first strategy doesn't work right um Mm. okay plan a doesn't work this is your contingency plan which might be like you know if you know you say no and because maybe the little sister doesn't have a lot of words and isn't going to process and you say no and you put your hand up and you tell them to stop and they don't stop you know it's out of your skill level. And so you can come get me and I can help you work through it. And that's also an opportunity to build more skills. Um, But that's teaching. And so now at the end of this interaction, now next time sister tries to take the toy. Now I know what to do. I know how to respond to get my toy back or to Mm -hmm. get my alone time. Mm -hmm. And so now I know how to meet my need in a healthier way rather than meeting my need in an unhealthy way, which was heading, right? Um, and so that's, you know, that's kind of an example of kind of, you know, that's discipline, kind of where to start, what to do, how to look at it. Um, mm. And, you know, we were talking about like, you know, past, present and future. What does that look like long-term, right? And so they're learning how to identify their needs i've been frustrated or, or you know whatever their need is or identify their feelings and their needs they're learning how to meet their needs in healthier ways and so now when they're in a um they're in a relationship and mm-hmm. there's something that their partner does triggers them now they have the skills because you've been practicing the skills of expressing, you know, feelings and emotions. Now you have the skills to express how you were feeling and like what triggered you in a healthy way because that's something you've been practicing your entire life, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to what a lot of us do, you know, something will trigger us and maybe maybe in a in a relationship or at work and like some will notice because we're a little off and like, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. No, 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 no. I'm fine. It's, no, no, no. Just, I'm whatever. I'm fine. It's whatever. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Right? Because yeah. we've learned to just dismiss our feeling and just say, it's fine. Mm-hmm. It's fine. We've been told mm-hmm. you're fine. Get over it. And so now we're just, you're fine. Exactly. You're fine. You're fine. So you're fine. And then <laughs> what happens, but the emotion, you saw this emotion, you're really not fine. You saw this emotion in your body and it comes out and maybe, you know, maybe the next day or later in the day, now they're doing something passive aggressive or, you know, and, and, and it, yeah. it impacts your relationship. And the mm-hmm. same thing, even your, even at work, right? When there's something that you, you know, maybe your boss is like, okay, hey, um, I know that I, we, you interviewed and you said you're gonna work eight hours a day and this is gonna be your job description, but actually I need you to work 12 hours a day and you're gonna be doing their job and their job. And yeah, so that's what we're, that's what we're going to do. Oh yeah, you know, the pay raise I said that you would get, after you know six months, uh, we're gonna kind of hold off on that, and and you know you're feeling and and you're like, okay, this is really frustrating. This is really hard. This is really hard. But your whole life, you've just been you've been conditioned to just dismiss how you're feeling. You're gonna try to just power through and like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. 
And maybe one day, you know, you blow up and you you list all the grievances you've had for the last six months and now it's hard for them <laughs> to hear you or or you don't say anything and you're just, you're, you're stressed every day and you don't feel safe at work, right? You don't feel safe with the people that you're working with, you know, and, but you don't know how to solve that problem. As opposed to if we learn to identify our feelings and meet our needs and solve problems and we learn these skills, I can say, hey, can we can we sit down and have a talk later in your office? Can we schedule some time to talk? Um, because I just want to be on the same page. I want to make sure that I am meeting my needs as a as a person, as a parent, as a you know, as a partner in my in my family unit. But also, I want to see how we I can meet the company's needs because I know the company has needs too. So can we have a conversation where we can kind of bridge that gap? And maybe it's a case where there is no bridging of the gap and the company's like, no, we work 12 hours a day here. And I'm sorry if you don't do that. Like this is this is what we do here. And maybe it's at a point where you're like, hey, maybe this isn't the maybe this isn't the 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 job or the culture or the company for me right and that's a healthy thing to do that's okay right as opposed mm -hmm. to spending years and years of our lives in places in these toxic environments in these environments that we don't feel comfortable in we're just shoving it all down that doesn't just impact your your current your present day your working relationships with your it, it doesn't just exactly. impact your day to day but it impacts your health like it yeah we're literally killing ourselves in our jobs sometimes because we don't know how to express our needs in a healthy way mm -hmm. and boundaries i would add to that yes. is a huge thing i only I, i'm 38 and i would say the past year and a half I've been working on boundaries <laughs> because for me as a child, I mean, that was never taught as a skill that we didn't, I don't know, that's just, you know, and now I look at my kids and you brought the example of a child wanting space, that's them learning how to t establish a boundary. They're allowed to have alone time. Like my kids, I have three kids and now I've taught the two older ones to say, I'd like to play alone right now. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Be respectful of the child, the other, you know, your sibling and, you could say it in a nice way, but you're allowed to go into your room or somewhere else and play on your own if you want to. And I'm hoping that that translates to being at work one day and then being told, you know, like you just said, you know, instead of eight hours a day, you're going to work 12. And they could say that doesn't work well with what I need right now. And, and I can't I can't meet you there. You know, I got to meet me somewhere else <laughs> eight hours or, you know, whatever it is. But those boundaries are so important. And there are so many opportunities as a child to teach that. Yeah. And yeah. yes. And I, and so like I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I've worked with, you know, teaching teachers to teach. Um, and so I've been in, I've had a lot of the conversations with people who, you know, like I've, in my role, I had to build relationships with the directors and the teachers, right? And so the directors were, mm -hmm you know, the boss of the, you know, the teachers reporting to the director and teachers would, cause I kind of built that feeling of safety with the teachers. They would, I would hear everything. Um, they would talk about all of like the, I heard all the tea, all the, everything they were disgruntled about. And, you know, and 
likewise with the directors too. Like I heard this, I heard the same thing. And it would be so often a director would, you know, ask a teacher to do something. And I know this isn't just in education. This is in, in, in every um, industry where, you know, a boss will or a leader will ask, you know, uh, someone who reports to them to do something. And the person feels like they have to say yes. And mm -hmm. so then, and then they say yes, and then they resent their okay. boss for yes, asking yes. them, but it was really, it was what really was you not really being able to hold a boundary and being able to say, yeah, exactly. that doesn't work for me. I understand. And maybe there is some level to where like, I can do some of it, but not all of it. But actually, but actually holding the boundary as opposed to just the people pleasing and just saying, just, just saying yes, exactly. just saying yes. Yeah. And then resenting. Mm -hmm. and, and, and even sometimes, and don't get me wrong, like this is, again, these are lifelong skills to work on. These are things that I also continuously work on, right? There's this, mm -hmm. I have this draw to like, I really want to, you know, impact the world and help the world grow and make the world a better place. And, <laughs> you know, and, and even in my own want to do that, I still need to, I still need to be aware of what my boundaries are and be aware of when I'm, 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 I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving, and when I need to give to myself. Right. Yeah. But that takes bringing it back me to be attuned to how I'm feeling and not just stuffing it down, right? Yeah. So that I know what is, you know, so I know when I need to hold a boundary, when is appropriate for me to hold a boundary because not everyone's boundaries are the same mm -hmm. and maybe not even the same on every day. Um, <laughs> but that is, that is a lifelong skill. And mm -hmm. uh, last point on this, part of teaching that skill is modeling it to your children and sometimes holding boundaries with them, knowing that there's going to, a lot of times there's going to be some blowback. Yeah. Um, and to expect that and to know that like, that's, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing a bad job or you're a bad parent or whatever, because they're reacting to a boundary you're setting. Mm -hmm. um, and you can model it again is you don't have to, you can empathetically set the boundary. I love that. Um, you know, we've been talking about working on ourselves and the thing that crosses my mind is we're in this with a partner or, you know, for, for, mm -hmm. to raise our child sometimes. And that can cause some issues because perhaps you want to raise your child a certain way and you have your own past coming into that, but now you have your partner in their past. Um, something I'll hear from people on my end on, on you know, for Curious Neuron is, how do I get my partner on board? How, if, if, and it's usually moms who have, or struggling getting the dads on board. It's usually the moms asking me how to get their husbands to stop spanking or to, to you know, to, follow positive parenting or responsive any of those terms but the, the the parenting that you know balances connecting and and boundaries what can parents if somebody's listening right now a mom for example 
or even a dad who might not have thought about their past because they're fine <laughs> mm-hmm. and and the, they are parenting the way that they were raised at, you know or taught to um how, where do couples begin together in this journey with empathy for each other is where you begin um a lot of times and i and i'll get those messages too a lot and sometimes you know so I got this message um, from a mom and it was, I could feel the energy coming off of the message. You know, when you read a message, you can feel the energy. And it was saying something to the extent of like, how do I get my, you know, you know, partner to use this, you know, brain, the brain science research-based techniques, um, and get them to like know like what they're doing is wrong and to use the science and just the way that it was worded Mm. there was a lot of judgment there was a lot of judgment in it and i imagine if she's sending this message to me and maybe there was a moment she was just venting and maybe something just happened like you never know where people are at when people are sending these messages but i you know you get the sense that this um, mom or this, yeah, this mom is probably judging or maybe judging Mm -hmm. this dad. And that's very disconnecting. And that's very, that's not going to help like judgment and and shame is going to stop the growth. It's not going to help the growth. You know, Mm -hmm. curiosity, empathy, connection, like, like that's what's going to be the nutrients for growth, right? And so starting with empathy, non, not judging, knowing that they're doing the best with the skills, the knowledge that they have, just like, just like you are. And even with you knowing all of the research or whatever and being really into the, all into the like gentle parenting journey, you're still struggling right? You're still having a hard time. And so knowing that like, it's not just like it, if your partner takes that next step or just just says, Hey, I do want to do something different. Like then there's all this other work to be done. Like that's a big ass. That's a lot. You know, it's not just, just do it differently. There's a lot, there's a lot of skills, right? You're asking them to like learn skills that they've unlearned skills that have been conditioned yeah. into them from from infancy right mm-hmm. and so it's a big ask it's a lot yeah. not saying that it's not a, a worthy yeah. you know journey i think it's definitely it's a, a worthy task to try to mm-hmm. align to be somewhat aligned in your kind of parenting and 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 to to learn and grow in that area and to help your partner learn and grow in that area. But it's not going to be through judgment and shaming and punishing them and making them feel bad. One, that's, so that's number one, start with empathy, curiosity, and connection. One, two, now this is going to be, and I don't think I ever really hear anyone talk about this, um, this this tip that I feel like is really valuable that I feel like is really helpful um 
speaking to males specifically. Mm. Now, the caveat, the disclaimer here is that this is this is stereotypical, right? And so it's like I we know that not everyone falls into the stereotype that there's a spectrum that some some not everyone falls into the stereotype. A lot of people do. And, and in my experience, a lot of people do. But and also in my experience, a lot of people switch, right? Men tend to be very logical in their thinking about things and not as emotional. And um, that's that's where a lot of times we struggle, um, especially in those younger years, because children are like five and younger, they're like 90% like emotions. Yeah, like, emotional. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah. That's, I, that, that's part of where I think we kind of struggle a little bit because it's, we're so far disconnected from that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think maybe biologically, but also just because society has conditioned us and told us and given us the message that we should disconnect from our emotions even more than mm-hmm. just, I think everyone has heard that you're fine, you're fine, but you know, males specifically, they get that message and a bunch of other messages where it's not okay to show emotion if you show emotion you're weak and that get, that gets us at a really primal level so there's a lot of incentive for us to to just discard our emotions and dismiss our emotions but speaking about it in a like really diving into the research of it all and the 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 logical like the science behind um of what you're saying mm. it can be really helpful for the more logical thinkers um and i find a lot of times where the there the disconnect is like the parent and i'll even do this the coaching sessions and i'm like talking i'm like oh, i'm just curious like what do you do for uh like work and it's like you know they're like an it or something very like linear and like logical of like ones and zeros and (laughs) and you and so that can be really helpful just in terms of like getting the buy-in and just saying Mm -hmm. hey maybe there is something to this maybe i am willing to do something different than the way that I was raised. And you know what, huh, it does make a little, and with the curiosity and like empathy and having kind of ongoing and maybe like nightly conversations before bed or whenever you guys have conversations of, you know, like, oh, I hit and, or like, this is the way that I was raised and, you know, okay, like, you know, tell me more about that. Like, how did that, like, you did that like how did you respond yeah. did you did you mm. stop doing that thing again or mm. did you just were you just more careful and hiding it and like and really and not like in a that. judgmental yeah, way sense. but just yeah. Yeah. again in, in tone body language mm. like it, it has to feel genuine right mm-hmm. um which is the same thing that we would you know i would recommend for you know with your child like non-judgmental tones Exactly. You know, starting with curiosity, which I know is something that you're big on, obviously, curious neuron. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing. It, it helps. Yeah. It really does. That curiosity aspect, even with your child, like you were saying, 
every time they're acting out it's they're communicating something so if you don't approach it with curiosity how do you find out what they're trying to communicate right so you i talk a lot about journaling with parents but if you're struggling with something just write it down write down some notes when it's happening or even now we're talking about with our our partner you know it's it's i i agree with you that curiosity part is really important it's we're not judging them we don't want to we just want to understand where they're coming from yeah one last one last um uh kind of tip on like the whole the how to get my partner on board is Mm. as you're learning and you're growing like showing the process being vulnerable in it you know talking about your mistakes and talking about your thought process and, and doing things and showing like you know it's not this isn't like something that like if you do start trying to do like it's okay to make mistakes like i make mistakes like it's a part of the process and like I'm, and and again, it's communicating like, you know, I'm not going to judge or shame you for making a mistake or not doing it perfectly. Like, I don't do it perfect. Like, you know, like, oh, I tried this and or I was doing this and I really didn't want to yell, but I just, it just got the best of me and I just and it came out and this is what I did to repair and this is what I did. And just going through the thought process. Um, and so that they can kind of learn and hear and maybe and maybe be inspired by the thought process and it might yeah it might inspire their thought process when they're doing their own thing and you may not always see the progress at first mm-hmm. you know don't necessarily expect you know your partner to run in the room and been like i tried the gentle parenting technique that you showed me yesterday and it went really well maybe some (laughs) will but some might not feel that comfort in this new journey that they're embarking on and they might and they might they might subtly like share things and just just (laughs) just be aware of that um yeah that sometimes people's process and learning process it's not always as like they're not always as uh out about it they're not always talking about it and so that's another thing to keep in mind those are really good points and i appreciate that we that you you gave this to us because i think it's a big issue with with couples that they want to know how to communicate and how to to go about this whole gentle parenting um so now let's take it for a last question and topic i think let's take it outside of our home yes <laughs> and <laughs> i think you know where i'm going with this <laughs> now you know if somebody was raised a certain way um, and now they are following gentle parenting and their own parents or in-laws are saying, that's not how you parent, right? Um, you have to parent the way that I did. I raised you this way or I raised, you know, your partner this way and you turned out fine. Um, you need to do it this way. This, whatever you're doing is wrong. You are, you know, becoming their friend. You're not hard on them enough, whatever the language is. So I have two questions regarding, you know, this topic. Mm-hmm. One how do we approach that as a parent when our own parents or in-laws are against our way of parenting? And number two, the trust within our own parents or in-laws. If we know they raised us a certain way and that caused issues with us now as a parent, how can we trust them with our child? I received a few emails about this mm. where parents will not let the grandparent babysit or will move away so that they don't have to deal with it <laughs> because they don't tr- <laughs> actually that was an email yesterday that that is- i received yesterday <laughs> and <laughs> they decided it was too much you know they were arguing too much so they're hoping the space <laughs> helps a little bit but 
just to say, right? So the parents, some parents are struggling with trusting the person who caused the damage, yeah. right? How do I put my child in their home? I've, I received an email about a year ago where a, a mom was trying to follow gentle parenting, but her parents said, just spank your child. I spanked you. You turned out fine. He's not listening. He is bad. If you spank him, he'll know that he has to listen. So again, a big topic that we have to discuss, but let's talk about parents and in-laws and, and how do we approach this if they're let's start with that how do we approach this if they're against the way that we're parenting first yeah so first uh knowing so (laughs) the first thing i want to acknowledge is that that can be very triggering for us for a lot of reasons and just knowing that that's likely going to bring up some stuff from our childhood as we are, as whatever they're saying is probably gonna bring up our triggers, our deeply rooted triggers, right? And that may cause us to do a lot of things that we are not necessarily, wouldn't do otherwise, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe we give in and we do, you know, we give in and we do spank or whatever it is, um, or, we get like just really frustrated. We can't be around them. We need to like just move away. And I don't know if that was they were living in the same house or if they had to leave the I state or something. Because <laughs> those are two different things. <laughs> I understand the leaving of the house because like yeah, space totally get that. Um, but if you had to like leave the state, so there it's not <laughs> so you can't visit. You know, part of that. You know what I would say. Part of that is that it sounds like is we're having a hard time setting boundaries, right? And like, and just to avoid setting boundaries that we're just going to get out of proximity so that we don't have to use that skill of setting boundaries, right? And we don't have to tolerate those uncomfortable feelings. Um, Now, how do you handle it? One, um, know what is, because so what are the deal breakers for you? So, because they're, you know, I think there are levels, like, are they, if you're leaving them alone, like, are they, you know, if, if you're afraid they're going to hit your child mm-hmm. and that is a deal breaker for you, you know, you let them know, like, Hey, like, this is like, if you are taking care of my child, then this is these things or things that you cannot, you absolutely cannot do. Um, yeah. And I'm going to hold a boundary on that. And if, and, and maybe hopefully he doesn't get to the point, but maybe, you know, if my child, you know, says like, hey, like you're hitting him, like that's going to be something where we're not going to trust you anymore to yeah. be around and you're not going to, yeah, w- without without us. Right. Mm-hmm. And that can be hard, too, because the, so a lot of times they're, they're, they are the support system. Right. And that's. Yeah. The, the way the only way that you do the self-care things that you need to do exactly completely away so that can be really hard yeah. and hopefully you got some friends you can lean on to or um but but holding a boundary and, and knowing letting them know what those boundaries are mm-hmm. and if they cross those boundaries you know you are likely going to feel triggered and you have a choice in how you respond you can you can respond kind of it's one of those extreme things it's where it's like okay like hey we're gonna have to have a conversation this is something that we can't do anymore like i'm like 
I'm sorry. I know it's hard. I know you, you really love your grandchild, but it's something, it's a choice that we have decided that we're not going to allow adults to hit a child. When ever explain it you can you can be empathetic do what you got to do now mm -hmm. now a lot of times i think part of the question is like what do i do internally right and just knowing that what really matters here what matters is your relationship with your child right mm -hmm. um and it really at the end of the day like it doesn't it, I know it can be hard to deal with, but their judgment on your parenting, it it, it really it, it really doesn't matter. Mm. It's really triggering. It triggers deep emotions. Mm. But but think about like let's think, let's kind of get into a, and I know I'm talking, let's let's think about like your mother-in-law or whoever pressured you to start spanking or start hitting your child. Mm -hmm. And so now that's something you do with your child and your relationship changes and, or your relationship, or maybe it doesn't change. You don't notice a difference or whatever, but that's going to impact your relationship. Um, I don't care who you are. If you're, if someone is hitting you, that's going to impact your relationship with that person. And maybe as they get older and, you know, when they're young, you know, they're, they're, they're little, they don't have, there's so little that they can do. So we can continue to exercise, exercise control, 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 and maybe get away with that for a little bit. And yeah, there's a lot of conflict, but we just, just up, up the control or up the threat. Mm. And at some point, mm. The, those threats like they're not they're not going to be so afraid of us or they're going to they're going to care more about other things than and, and they still don't have those missing skills and now they're also disconnected from you and now they're out in the world and the only people that they can really rely on or where they really care about like in terms of like mm -hmm. learning from or, or their peers and peers don't always make the best decisions and <laughs> and you know at some point like you have to even if you're not explaining to your child, but explain to yourself, like, how did we get here? Like, why is our relationship this way? Why am I doing this fear control-based parenting? And if the answer is someone else's opinion, that's not gonna feel good for you. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's it's really not gonna feel good for that child um, to know that the child was missed out on what could have been a really strong, you know, safe relationship. That's one of the word I want to use. What could have, they missed out on a safe relationship because the opinion of grandma, right? And that's gonna that may even breed resentment towards grandma too. Um, and so, kind of thinking about it in that way and just knowing that like you're making the best decision, you're doing your best, you're trying to learn and grow the best you can for your child, for your family. Um, and not everyone's gonna agree and that's okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. And if they're crossing boundaries, mm -hmm. you know, clearly, you know, 
set expectations and set your boundaries and be clear in communicating that hold the boundaries um but that's the way that i would and 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 really and you don't want it to be like a confrontational thing but sometimes it you know and i'm thinking about kind of the way that you describe like it's already a confrontational thing ideally what you want is to be able to again have those conversations when grandma grandpa's they're saying you should just bang you just hit them oh like why do you say that oh this is what you're raised okay well and just having those conversations and not mm-hmm. not judging the grandparents either and giving them grace too and maybe sharing a little bit about the research and a little bit of a, just like kind of a, like what you've learned and hopefully they're open to it and if you are they're going to be more likely to be open to it if you're not judging them and shaming them mm-hmm. um but to the point where they're kind of embarking on the journey a little bit too and they're learning too and they're you're giving them the books that you finished or recommending the podcast or sending them the videos mm-hmm. too right because there are definitely a lot of grandparents out there who did not raise their children in the gentle parenting way those really like new and weird for them like mm-hmm, you know exactly. as there's probably a lot of things for them this changing world that's so different than what they grew up in and and, and also in what where they were parenting even um but some grandparents are open and so if you can get to that point that's ideally the goal but if you can't then you know holding the boundaries and mm-hmm. one last thing i'd like to say on that in the vein of of of, of parents, co parents, grandparents, teachers, that to buffer the effects, and I know this is something you know, to buffer the of the um, effects of trauma, you only need one healthy attachment figure, right? You only need yeah. that one person, right? And so if everyone in that child's life isn't doing the gentle parenting method and, and I'm not, and maybe it's not, you're not like speaking about like trauma, but even if, if it can buffer the effects of trauma, that one strong attachment figure, that one healthy relationship with an adult, then it can buffer the effects of grandma using good jobs, extra, you know, using good jobs for everything. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just keeping that in mind that not everyone in your child's life has to be on this perfect on this gentle parenting journey saying everything doing everything you know the quote-unquote right way science-based way right mm-hmm. um and 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 hopefully knowing that and that perspective can allow you to get in a place to relax and breathe can step into you know curiosity because you know it's not life or death um that if your grandparent says the the one thing or that it's not going to it's not going to define your child's personality and give them a bunch of mental disorders or Mm -hmm. whatnot right you know focus more on your relationship and, and and how to be that safe person with your child so you can help them work through whatever maybe grandma, grandpa, co-parent, whatever does do something 
And if that happens, you want to be that safe person they can go to so you can help them work through that. So you can buffer whatever negative effects could potentially come out of that. What a wonderful way to finish this conversation. I think that's such an important point where we're placing a lot of um, responsibility on everybody around us as well to follow the same kind of parenting, but focusing on ourselves, I think is is a really important point to end off with. Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> thank you for having this conversation with me. Um, I'd love to um, give our listeners more information about you. Where can they reach you? How can they get help from you if they want extra help? Yeah. And if you stayed with us this long, then you're really going to love <laughs> the social media and the other stuff that I put out. So I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. I have my own podcast and I offer coaching services. You can find me as Mr. Chaz and that's Chaz with two Z's, M-R-C-H-A-Z-Z on on all those social media platforms, it may look a little different. On Facebook, it's Mr. Chaz Space, Mr. Chaz. TikTok, it's Mr. Chaz, Mr. Chaz. Instagram, it's just Mr. Chaz. My podcast is Mr. Chaz's Leadership Parenting and Teaching Podcast. And you can get access to one-on-one coaching with me um, through www.patreon.com forward slash Mr. Chaz. That's where you can find me. Um, I will add all those links to your, your show notes for the podcast episode. Thank you. I, I have learned so much from you and I enjoy your videos. Like you said, it's just sometimes it just makes me think. <laughs> and I love taking that moment to em- embrace that moment of thinking and, and diff- having a perspective, you know, and, and thinking about it differently or it's just they're wonderful. Thank you for everything that you do. Yes. Thank you for having me on and thank you for everything that you do as well. Um I don't think, oh, and I think I put the episode out. I'm not sure. I think I put the episode out, but Cindy <laughs> is on, was on my podcast too. So definitely yeah. check out that conversation. Uh, yeah. We're talking about screen time. It was a really great conversation too. So it was, um, it was. Yeah. Check me Thank out. Thank you. Check us out. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Chaz. Yeah. Have a wonderful evening. <laughs> you too. You too. Bye. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Mr. Chaz. All of the links to his resources and ways to connect with him will be on my website at um, kirsteneron.com. You can click on episode 36. I'll also have the links to the research articles I mentioned at the beginning. And don't forget to head over to playpockpock.com slash redeem and to use the code kirsteneron to get 50% off an entire year's subscription. Um, I'm, I promise you, you will have fun playing this app just as much as your kids. And uh, I look forward to hearing from you. Let me know if you like it. Uh, you can reach me at curious underscore neuron on Instagram or on my website again, curiousneuron.com. Don't forget to leave a rating and a review on iTunes and I will see you in two weeks. Bye-bye. <laughs>